Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Name that film. All the young people are like, what the heck is that about? What are you watching? Classic. Classic. It's like, it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's like, it's like a combination of a few good films all stuck to make an even better one. It's like a Braveheart and Doctor Who fighting. It's like amazing. Um, anyway, the song's been in my head all week. We're in this series called All About Heaven, so I, I had to play it. Because if it's in my head, it might as well be in your head. Is that okay? And also, Queen are a great band, aren't they? I think so. I love Queen. And this background that I found is a bit like what Queen used to have for their albums. I, I need no other reason than this to be able to play you these videos at the start of these talks, to be honest with you. And it gets me in the mood. Not even sure what for, but he does. So, I'm going to recap. Hello and welcome. My name's Anthony and I lead Ivy and its different churches. And it's great to be able to be here with you tonight. We're in a series which I don't know when it's going to finish. Um, I know it started roughly at the beginning of January and it's been going on and on and on. And it's all about heaven. It's all about the kingdom of heaven and how we need to be thinking about the kingdom of heaven and getting ready for the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven is coming to earth and we need to be ready for that and expectant and excited about it. And we keep on starting at the start, our start, which is for us just to get it in the framework, which is in Genesis chapter 1, because you have to know where you came from in order to know where you're going. And you have to know where you went wrong, don't you? If you're going to know where you're going to go next. So if you read the beginning of the Bible, you have this record of an almighty, sovereign, invisible God who creates a visible kingdom. A place like a colony for his kingship to be established in a different place. And, um, and he makes it all and he says it's all really good. It actually finishes the chapter. He says, and God saw all that he'd made and it was very good. So he planned this earth as like an outpost, as a colony for the kingdom from heaven. That's what the earth was intended to be. So the Bible is all about a king and it's all about a kingdom. In fact, it's all about kingdoms from beginning to end. It's like a, the major theme, I would contend, of the whole Bible is about the kingdom. And uh, I read an article this morning, actually, it popped up on the feed about, uh, in The Guardian, there's this thing about the the Queen, and if she dies, and it may happen, um, that if and when she dies, it was this thing about all the plans that are in place to what what they would do when it happens and how they would, you know, how the media would respond and all. It's an interesting article, but it talks about, and I was reading it, and he said that the first news would go out to the 15 governments around the world where she is still the head of state. So, it's, you know, the Queen, well, obviously we think about the United Kingdom, but the Queen rules in other places too. All, all kinds of other little nations, and it used to be a lot more. And maybe we want a few of them back. Maybe we don't want a few of them back. But the, the royal family of heaven, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, decided they would grant authority to rule over their creation to certain creatures. Not as slaves, not as servants, but as sinless sons and daughters who would have power and authority to rule as if they were God. 
to be able to have uh, to be able to say things uh, with his authority to be able to act on his behalf because they were made in his own image they were told to rule on his behalf this was God's intention for humanity the Hebrew word for dominion that they were given is, a, is the word mamlaka, which literally could equally be translated kingdom. He gave them kingdom. God gave them kingdom. He said, I want you to have kingdom over everything. So he makes this son, Adam, and a daughter called Eve. And if, like, this is the, you know, he, he creates them to be kings and queens and to have sovereignty for him. And that's the very first mandate. It's the very first mission that's given to human beings. It's kingdom. And it's the one message that Jesus consistently spoke about all the way through the Gospels. It's what God will restore in the end with a new beginning, with a new heaven and a new earth, where lost but found abandoned but adopted, dead then alive, sons and daughters will receive a kingdom. Jesus said this, I love this verse, fear not, little flock, that's you and me, it is your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's got to be one of my favourite verses of the Bible. That, I believe, is right at the central heart of the message of what Jesus came to bring to us. It's all about the kingdom. That's why we keep on talking about the kingdom. Because we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what this means for us. The Father wants to give you, wants to give us the kingdom. He wants to do that. But the church doesn't know about kingdom. So the church gives people religion. Instead, because it can do religion... It makes religious people who go to church instead of priests and kings, a kingdom of priests the Bible talks about, who receive the kingdom and therefore reign in life like we're meant to, like we're made to in the first place. The kingdom was Jesus' first message. What was his first sermon? It was a royal proclamation. Matthew 4 verse 17. From that time on Jesus began to preach. What was the message? Repent, change your mind, think differently. Turn around, go a different way. That's all wrapped up in that word repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. How has it come near? It's come near because he's here. When Jesus comes, he brings the kingdom. The king is here. Wherever he goes, the kingdom is. It's like, I remember hearing Billy Connolly years ago said that uh, the queen thinks that the world smells of paint. Because <laughs> wherever she goes, there's this bloke in front of her who's kind of having to paint and get it all ready. When Jesus comes, everything's kingdom. Kingdom is everywhere Jesus is. So he says, the kingdom of heaven has come near because I'm here. And then he, he kept on talking about the kingdom. All the time they couldn't stop him talking about the kingdom. All these parables, all these stories, so many of them, the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like what? What's it like, Jesus? Well, it's like a pearl of great price. It's worth selling everything for to be able to get that one thing. And then he speaks at the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you poor, the poor in spirit, for yours is what? The kingdom of heaven. That's what he wants you to get. This is the priority. This is the preeminent message of scripture. So, if that's the case, is it the priority for you? This morning I talked at Kingsway about how we should pray and plan. Because if you, if you, if you don't live your life according to priorities, you might just waste it by living according to pressures. Because there'll always be pressures in everybody's life. 
I'm going to talk about that more for anybody who wants to be here, 10 a.m. till 12 tomorrow. We're looking at leadership issues and how we can plan. Uh, and you can take this for a project that you feel like God's given you and a, and a desire that you're kind of wondering, you know, maybe God wants me to do that. You can come along here and can do that. Or, or it could be uh, just for your life in some way to be able to think, I want to live not just by pressures, but by priorities. How do we do that? What are your priorities in life? Interesting what Ben said. It's exactly what I was going to say here in terms of your money. That's a, it tells a tale. If we were to objectively, if somebody was just to objectively look at, look at your life, how you spend your life, because we are spending it, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, what tale would it tell about your priorities? No matter what we sing about in church, no matter what we say it's about, priorities are about what really comes first for you. The dictionary, I looked it up, priorities, it talks about what is to be regarded as coming before others. What takes precedence? What takes precedence for you? What is your primary focus in life? What is taking precedence for you at the moment in your life? Your priorities in life will determine your destination and ultimately your destiny. That's why the greatest tragedy in life is not death, not at all. It's never figuring out why you're alive. To be successful in all kinds of wrong projects and lesser priorities than the ones that God has for you. Running really hard, chasing prizes that don't matter at all. Because none of it lasts. What a tragedy that would be. And as I say, I'll talk about this more tomorrow morning because time is the most precious commodity that you've got. And everybody here is just as rich as everybody else in that commodity because we all got 24 hours today. How are we spending those hours, those minutes, those seconds? How do we put, how do we put first things first when there's so many things? How are you going to do that? How do you decide what's first? Most people, this is my contention, most people get this completely wrong and I'm including Christians. I'm including people who go to church. I'm including myself at times with this. I'm including Jesus followers in this because if this wasn't the case, Jesus wouldn't have warned us about it. In 1943, a psychologist called Abraham Maslow portrayed what he called the hierarchy of needs. You've probably seen it. It's often been portrayed as like a pyramid or a triangle. And what he talks about is that the most important needs, the most fundamental, the basic needs, they're at the bottom. And then you have to go through all of these different stages and eventually you might get up to the top, which is what you might call self-actualization, which is spiritual needs. Maslow started out studying monkeys and then he moved on to people. And then he said, actually, just like a monkey, you've got to make sure that you get those basic needs in place. After you've done the first one, then you might move up to the next one, then you move up to the next one, then you move up to the next one. This is, this is actually everywhere in management thinking, in leadership theory, in motivational stuff. This has become how the world sees people need to be treated. You have to start at the bottom first. You focus on that because you can't go up a level until you've, until you've stopped having to worry about the stage underneath. Then you fulfil the next one. Next stage. Then you fulfill the next one. Then you fulfill the next. We don't jump up a stage on this. So why do you go to work? I go to work to put bread on the table. That's why I go to work. Keep the wolf from the door. Meet the needs of the body first. After that, maybe one day, maybe one day when I get enough money and I'm sitting on a cruise ship 
or I've got my, yeah, and I've got my feet in the pool and it's beautiful and I've got all the money I need and everything else is all sorted out. I don't have to worry about any of that. Then maybe I start thinking, oh, I wonder what my place is in the universe. I wonder who made all of this. Maybe I'll do that. Then, later on. But actually, the full title of this triangle is Maslow's Humanistic Hier Hierarchy of Needs, which is a clue, because he was an atheist. And what if, when Jesus came to tell us about life and about how to have life in all of its fullness, when, when the king came, bringing the kingdom from the Father to, to come and speak to us about humanity and what we're really made for, what if he came and he said something completely different in terms of life and what is most important, what is fundamental to us, about what your life's priorities should be, about how you can live a full life and what should come first. And we keep going back to Matthew 6 in these evenings because when we're talking about the kingdom, Jesus was asked by his disciples, please teach us how to pray. And he started out by saying, our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done here on the earth as it is in heaven. And then to the people who were going to pray that kind of a prayer, in the same chapter he said this, listen to this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then three times in this passage, First of all, in verse 25, it literally says, do not be anxious. Secondly, verse 31, do not be anxious. Finally, in verse 34, do not be anxious. Pretty clear instruction. In fact, it's a command. The way in which this is set up, it's a command not to worry. You could literally translate it as some people do. Take no thought about these things. He's saying, you don't even have to think about them. Don't think about what? Don't think about and worry about and be anxious about the very things that the world says you should be most primarily concerned with in your life. Jesus commands you not to worry about those things. Do not be anxious about your life. Suke, what we get psych, psyche, psychology, life, breath. Don't worry about your life, your physical life. He says don't even Think about it. Certainly don't be anxious about your physical life. Don't worry about it. And the word anxious in Greek there literally means to fret, to continually be going over it, to be thinking about it all the time because that's your priority, to be consumed and preoccupied by worry, to make that your primary concern. He says don't make your life your primary concern. Jesus used the same word in Luke 10, 41. He was talking to Martha. Do you remember this? He said, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You've got all these anxieties, you've got all these fears, you've got all these worries. Do you remember that? And somebody's sitting there, you're thinking, yeah, that's a bit unrealistic though, to be honest. Um, what do you mean, don't, don't we have to think about what we've got to eat? Don't we have to think about what we've got to drink? I didn't even get a coffee when I came in. Right. You know, and what do you think? We don't have to wear clothes. It's freezing out there. Well, Jesus knows about the simple bare necessities of life before Baloo the bear did. He knows exactly what he's talking about and he, he actually names them. Food, water, clothing. He knows. 
And imagine how it must have felt for the first people who heard him say this, because they didn't have Tesco's. They didn't have Amazon. They didn't have the corner shop. In those days, food was stuff you grew yourself. Or you went to the market and you traded in some way for. Water didn't come out of a tap for those people. In a very hot and arid land where a drought could come and wipe everything out really quickly. Clothing, this was mostly poor people, was stuff you made yourself. You didn't go to the shops and buy it. Jesus commands, do not make these things your priority. Don't make your basic needs your primary focus. I'm going to say that again. Don't make your basic needs your primary focus. That's not how you're meant to live. You're made for so much more than that. Have we heard that? As Jesus followers, do we live like we've heard that that is our truth? Do we live like that? I'm talking to myself, to be honest with you, way more than anybody else. I'm asking those of us who say that we're Jesus followers now, if we say that we want to live to follow Jesus Christ, how are our priorities different than those who don't? Would an impartial observer of my bank statement, of my calendar, of my decisions, say, yeah, I can see that you put Jesus first. I can see you've got different priorities than other people. See, Jesus is going to talk in a moment about some people that he calls pagans. He says there's a group of people who, who don't know God. They don't know that they've got a heavenly father. And some of these people, in that, it wouldn't just be, he's talking about some people who would be outwardly very religious people. Practicing religion, but the, the, the reason that they're practicing religion is to get something out of God. They, to, even to get more out of life. Now that's obvious when somebody does it and they go and bow down to a little idol and they, they light their sacrifice or whatever they do, they want to get a blessing out of some little God so that it will rain or so that they'll get a crop or, or so that they'll get a husband. Because if I worship this God in this way now, he now has to bless me the way I want my life to be blessed. Who's God there, by the way? If he doesn't give me the answer that I want... Well, I'm not going to worship that God anymore. Jesus says this, continuing, look, the word, I prefer the word in some translations, consider. Consider, think deeply about the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable, much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field. He's talking about wildflowers here which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, Jesus isn't downplaying the importance of creation here. If you were here last week, I talked about how the Bible is a very green book and how there's all this stuff. God really cares about the environment. He, Jesus came to save the planet, not just to save people on it. But what he's doing here is not downplaying their importance, he's highlighting ours. 
He's saying how important you and me are to God. How incredibly important we are to God. Because God cares about birds. I looked on Google to find out how many birds there are on the planet. It says between 200 and 400 billion. And I thought, that means you don't know, doesn't it, Mr. Google? Because between 200 and 400 billion is a, is a big gap. <laughs> really. But the Bible says there's not one bird falls to the ground that my father doesn't know. Don't trust Google, trust God. There's no anxiety in birds' lives. You're never going to see a budgie with a briefcase. <laughs> Worrying. What's going to happen next? Their song is always the same song. Whichever bird it is, they're always whistling or singing, don't worry, be happy. That's it. The message version says this, they are careless in the care of God. I love that. Careless in the care of God. How good is that? Jesus is saying, think, think. If your heavenly father feeds the birds, don't you think he's going to look after you? Don't you think he's going to feed you? He takes care of wildflowers. Don't you think he cares about you enough? My heavenly dad loves me. My heavenly dad loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. There's never a he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And I'm loved by him. That's who I am. Nothing will ever change that. So you have got nothing to fear. No matter what happens, no matter if Scotland decides to do a Highland fling and leave us, no matter if all the banks lose all our money again, my trust and hope is not in them. My trust and hope is not in any earthly government. My trust and hope is in a good, good father and I'm loved by him. How about you? I don't have to worry. I don't have any worries. I'm not a worrier. You know why? I'm a prayer. There's, there's your choices. Worry, which is praying to somebody who can do nothing about it, yourself. Or pray, talk to your heavenly father who can that's your choice. What do you usually do? I don't have any worry. I don't have any need to fear. I do what the Bible says. It says, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. If you know that he cares about you and he cares for you, you can ask him to care about those things and you can be, live careless in the care of God. Can you imagine how much more impact Christians would have on the world if we were known as those people who didn't worry like everybody else did? If we didn't worry about the same things that everybody else worried about all the time. I think that would be the great, perhaps the greatest testimony, the greatest evidence. You know, people get into five reasons why the resurrection's true, and I'll, you know, but, you know, I know Richard Dawkins says this, but blah, 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 blah. You know, people don't listen to that. But if they can see a person who goes through the same things as they do differently because they've got a peace that passes understanding, maybe they'll start to understand. And they'll get the same peace too. People worry about the health too, don't they? Verse 27, what's Jesus' advice? Can any one of you, by worrying, get a single hour to your life? That, the right translation there is actually lifespan. Some translations say add an inch to your height, but actually the, the Greek word there really is, it's, about, it's not about how tall you are, it's about how long you're going to live. But people 
are scared to death. Aren't they? People live, some people live their whole lives scared to death. Do you know anybody who really worries about death? If you're a Christian, you've got no need to. The Apostle Paul said, to depart and go to be with Christ is better, better, better by far. That's literally what he said. Who wants to live forever? Freddie Mercury? Think about it. Guess what? We are going to. We are going to live forever. We never have to worry about where we're going when we know what's coming and we know who we're going to and we know who's coming for us. It's like, just picture a child waiting at school and everybody, all the parents are coming and all that kind of stuff and it's like, are you going to be alright? Yeah, I'm going to be alright. My dad's coming for me. I can trust my dad. That's how we face death. That's how we face the future. Jesus says worry can't add one second. It can't add one minute onto your life. Why do it? In fact, we actually know it's probably going to cost you minutes and time, don't we? People, some people worry their whole life away and then worry themselves to death. So Jesus says, so do not worry. Literally, do not then begin to worry. You see, in, that, in that passage, he's actually saying, don't even start to worry. Saying, because what comes out of your mouth matters. You have to watch what comes out of your mouth. Watch those words. Saying, oh, what, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? What are we going to do? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first what? His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What's the priority? The word for first there is literally protos. You get priority from it. The kingdom is meant to be our priority. So who is it going to be for you? Is it going to be Maslow, who's right, or the Messiah? Are you just going to live this life like everybody else? Like somebody who doesn't even know they've got a dad? Who cares for them? He says pagans run after all these things. What All these things. I've got to ask that question. Am I living like a pagan? Am I worrying like a pagan? Am I thinking like a pagan? Or am I, am I praying like a, a prince? Am I living like a prince? Are you living like a princess or a pagan? The phrase there in verse 32, run after, eagerly seek. Literally, he's saying it, it's, they seek it with all their might. It's like that's what they're focused on all the time. I know exactly what it was like because that was my life before I, I met Jesus. And it would be my life unless I keep him as my focus. Because I can go back there if I start to worry. But what an empty life to be consumed by consuming, to, to just work for some material gratification, spending everything satisfied by nothing, like drinking seawater and going mad. I didn't know any other way. I had to go and get it. I had to go and make it. 
It's down to me if it's going to happen. It's all up to me. Jesus says that's living like you haven't got a dad. Worrying about all these things. Then Jesus showed me the way to the Father. Because Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. You come to the Father and you find your heavenly Father can be trusted to provide. He knows. He already knows. He's not like surprised. There isn't a bill going to come in this week and he's going to go, oh, oh goodness, what are we going to do about that one? He knows you need these things. Do you know he knows? Do you know he cares? Do you know him? That's what it comes down to. Do you know him? Do you trust him? Oh, we of little faith. It's a matter of faith, Jesus says. Do you trust his knowledge? Do you trust his kindness? Do you believe in his abundance? If not, it's like a slur on his character. It's like you don't know what kind of dad you've got if you think he's like that. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's not like begrudging. It's what he wants to do. Your heavenly father knows you need all these things. He knows. Nothing escapes his attention. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. Why do we worry? I'm nearly finished. Three wrong assumptions that get us into worry. Number one, we worry if we think God doesn't care. Or we think God doesn't know. Or we think God can't, can't do it. He can't provide. He doesn't have the stuff. He hasn't got the resources. They're the only three reasons that we can worry. Do you actually believe any of those three things are really true of God? No. Not at all. Do you think God knows what you need? Do you think he, now? Do you think he already knows? Do you think he knows what you're going to need? He does. He actually does. Can you trust him? That's the question. Do you trust his goodness? Will you, have you got big enough faith in a big enough God that he can provide, that he will love you enough to be able to do so? If not, you don't really know him. And if you do, why worry? Jesus, it's like Jesus can't understand why anybody would worry. Because he knows his dad. Sons and daughters of the king... Don't worry like beggars. They don't conduct themselves like that. Can you imagine Prince William worrying about money? Sitting outside Buckingham Palace with a hat. We keep going back to that verse, which I love so much in Romans. Romans 5 verse 17, because this is a kingdom verse for us to get hold of in terms of who we are now as Jesus followers. We're not just people who got our sins forgiven. We are that. We're not just people that it's all, you know, because of the cross, I've got a fresh start and a new life and all that kind of stuff. We, that's all true. That's all good. But we, it's like we, we put one foot in the door, but we never walk into the palace. We never enter into everything that God's got for us. For if by one man's offence, that's Adam, death reigned by that one man, that's talking about what happened. How much more will they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? Through the one, Jesus Christ. That's not talking about when you get to heaven, is it? Is it? Sorry, hello, anybody else out there? <laughs> it's not talking about when you, it'll all be alright when you get to heaven. What does it mean? I don't know. I'd love to find out. I want to find out what it means in this life to reign in life through Christ Jesus. I really, want to, I really want to see what that verse means. And if you've named Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, if you've been adopted into heaven's royal family, if you've received that abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, and if you haven't, tonight's a good night to do it, 
When you do that, it's meant to change everything. Do not be afraid. Little flock, it's your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do not worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and what you're going to drink. You've got a king who is your dad. You're meant to reign in life by Christ Jesus. So do you tonight. Question, ask yourself, do I normally handle life like a pagan or like a prince or like a princess? Do I face today's tests and tomorrow's needs like a child in the bloodline of the king of heaven? Or like I'm unloved, illegitimate, orphaned and forgotten? Now I know some people listen to this, you've had different backgrounds, you've had a different family background perhaps and you've never known this kind of a heavenly father. Jesus came to introduce you to him so that you'll know who he is, then you'll discover who you are. You'll never know how to reign in life. You'll never, you'll, you'll basically, the best you can ever hope for is just to survive. Unless you find out who he is, and when you find out who, who he really is, then you'll find out who you really are. You don't have to face life in fear when you face it in faith. Fear's a liar. Fear tells you tomorrow is something to worry about. Fear tells you, whispers, you're not going to have what you need for tomorrow. It'll all go wrong tomorrow. Fear shouts, you won't be up to it. You can't get through this. So you better worry. And work and worry. And beg. And worry. And get anxious. And scrape and beg and borrow and maybe desperately, fearfully, you might just scrape through somehow. Maybe. But worry a bit. And in the meantime, put yourself first. Nobody else is looking after you. Seek first your kingdom. Jesus says, no. No, 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 no. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then there's nothing that you'll go through. There's no trial, there's no temptation, there's no test, no possible tomorrow where your heavenly father will not have already lined up an abundance of grace for you to be able to reign through that. Is this the last slide? We'll put the last slide on. Uh, if it's not that one. Because I just wanted to see this. Just so you can see it and remember it. And hear it one more time before we pray. Because we, when we pray we're exchanging fear for faith. That's what we're doing. We're exchanging the beggar's bowl for a crown. When we pray. Do not fear. Do not worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Some people are so good at worrying. If they've got nothing much to worry about today, they start in on what could go wrong tomorrow. They block out today's light with the darkness of a shadow of tomorrow. Don't worry. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the present. Don't worry about the future. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. 
God will still be God all week. God will give you what you need. He won't give you tomorrow's stuff today. Ask him for daily bread. Trust him for that. It'll come. So if you came in here tonight, even if you just came in near the end, and you came in with a worry, it could, be, it could feel really big to you. I'm not, I'm not belittling it, but you know what? It's, it's probably not that big for God. He's a big God. Even if you think it's too small and he, he, he wouldn't bother with that. No, he's bothered. But he's not bothered by it. He's bothered that you're bothered by it because he cares for you. He cares about you. Do not worry. Do not fear. Don't let anything steal your peace. Don't let any anxiety mess up your relationships. Don't let any worry hinder your faith, harm your usefulness, ruin your testimony. My own dad used to tell me that this was his favourite verse of the Bible. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I can hear him say it. And my heavenly father wanted somebody here to hear that as well tonight. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't worry about it. Maybe you just got some news. Maybe you got the phone call or the, the message or the email or the thing that sent everything into a spin. And you're like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Do not worry. Don't fear. It's, don't think like a pagan. It's time to pray like a princess. It's time to, to petition and ask God like a prince. It's time to reign in life when you pray. It's time to take some authority. It's time to bring the kingdom into that situation and say, as it is in heaven, let it be here on the earth. And to speak with that authority into the situation. Just look at that last verse. Everything so far has been don't, 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 don't. One thing to do. Jesus says, like he told Martha, make this your priority. One thing to make the priority in your life, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Priority number one, get that in place. Everything else, enough to eat, enough to drink, places to live, whatever you need, your heavenly father knows what you need. He will make it his priority to provide if you make him and his kingdom your priority. He's talking about all these things, all these things that we worry about. Make him your priority instead. Seek first his kingdom. That's why we're doing this series. And this, that's why I'm not entirely sure whether it, when I'm 75, they'll be putting me up here and I'll go, I'm going to talk to you tonight about the kingdom. <laughs> not that people who are 75 necessarily talk like that, but... Maybe I will by then. Anyway, backtrack. We want to be seeking first the kingdom, don't we? Why? Because when we do, everything else falls into place. Don't let anything else come first before that. Don't let anybody else come before that. Don't let your own plans and all your... Seek first the kingdom. All these things will get sorted out by your heavenly Father. Let's um, pray. If you're able to stand, you could stand and we'll start to pray and the band are going to come up. But Lord, we're here because we want to put the kingdom first. Start to talk to him. Instead of the thing you were worrying about and talking to yourself about, or maybe you were telling other people about and they can't help you either, but he can. Just start to tell him and talk to him. 
and actually, first of all, say, I'm not, I don't even want to talk to you about the thing I'm worrying about. I just want to talk to you about you. Lord, I want to say you're my king. I want to see you first. I want to put you first. I'm seeking your kingdom. I'm seeking who you are. I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that you're a good father. Thank you that you care about me. Just tell him who he is to you before start thinking about what he can do for you, what he can do for us, how he can get us out of it or, or get this thing into our lives. Just, just thank him. Start to thank him. You know, there's people who love, love to be able to uh, even, even hear this kind of a message and and and, and you've just heard like a, the words of Jesus that can set you free. Receive those words. Receive that. Lord, I receive your truth. I don't want to worry. I'm not going to worry. And I want to put your kingdom first. What does that mean to you? In all your enterprises, in your relationship, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Not, not adding God on if there's space. Just show, just show us, Lord, what it means to give you priority in our lives. Top place. First place. We're going to just go into a time of worship. I just want to read what the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to the Colossians about this as we do that and then you take this as a time of, of really giving yourself back to God putting him first in everything giving him the preeminence in your life set your affections on things in heaven and not things on the earth set your affections above for you died and your life is hid with Christ in God Let's just get our priorities right in worship now as we seek first the kingdom. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.